Ask 10 people, what is the glory of God? And you are likely to hear 10 different answers. If scripture is clear, why is this definition so fuzzy? And what do some people mean when they say, give God the glory? If God has the glory, how can we give him something he already has? The Bible indicates Christ in you is the hope of glory. How does one interpret this statement? Or, he created his people Israel for his glory. Join us now as we break down the meanings and clear up any confusion in what is the glory of the Lord. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Ask 10 people, what is the glory of God? And you are likely to hear 10 different answers. If scripture is clear, why is this definition so fuzzy? And what do some people mean when they say, give God the glory? If God has the glory, how can we give him something he already has? The Bible indicates Christ in you is the hope of glory. How does one interpret this statement? Or, he created his people Israel for his glory. Join us now as we break down the meanings and clear up any confusion in what is the glory of the Lord. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to... Hello, good day everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to the Russick Outlook. As always, let me begin by thanking you for your time. Very delighted about today's topic titled The Glory of the Lord. And why? Because I believe if you were to ask 10 different people, I'll throw it out there, what is your definition or how do you understand what the glory of the Lord is? I'll bet you there's a good chance that you'll get 10 different answers. Well, obviously 10 different answers, but uh, 10 different interpretations or meanings or examples. And and really the reason for that is, I think, is sound doctrinally because there are so many different examples of what actually the glory of the Lord is. Uh, much like, you know, where it, it says in scripture, the angels surround the, the throne of the Lord and they all, with each pass, they always see something new because there's always something new in, in, in God. So we're going to really dig deep into what exactly is the glory of the Lord, the many different examples and interpretations and how you in turn may bring glory to God or honor the Lord with your life, with your words, with your actions, with your service, with your ministry, with your kindness, your compassion. I believe those are all facets of which you can glorify God. And, I, and I'll show you how, how that lines up with scripture here. So again, I just want to uh, uh, preface everything of what we're going to be covering. Before I begin, uh, I, I ask this all the time and I know, and I, I really mean this. Can you please hit the like and the subscribe button? Uh, and share this information, share this with people if you find it of value. Uh, and because I, I always say this, I am about getting to the truth, getting to the heart of the matter. And although it, it starts with, with the word of God, because there there is nothing more factually or proven factually and relevant to today's world than the word of God. And that is the foundation. And I've gone through that and I give you many different uh, examples as well as we look into all different areas uh, you know, be it eyewitness accounts, archaeological evidence, historical evidence, etc. So that's kind of the mission of it is to get to the truth and to bring that to people. How do we do that? We do that by uh, moving up on the search engines and sharing this with people. Uh, if you, Again, if you find it of value um, and, and subscribe, no matter whether it's the, the podcast platforms, YouTube, 
and and again on social media we're we're on many of the many many of the many many of the social media platforms last uh please hit the rustic outlook go on to it and you'll see a pop-up window there that will ask for your email address i ask that because we send out information you know when new topics come out but also there's going to be a whole bunch of new things that we're going to be doing this year very excited about it begins actually it began i should say in february uh, which is when I'm recording this. One of the things that, or, uh, or events that we're doing is some live interaction, live Zoom meetings and different presentations. And what this does is allow you to, to interject, to comment, to ask questions, to lend your insight. So it's, uh, you know, it's very much about what I say, iron sharpens iron, where, you know, the body benefits from one another. We're doing that a couple of times a month and uh, so forth and so on. So, that that's the reason that I'm asking you to do these things, and and, and if you know, if if you feel it's it's worthwhile to you, and that's the most important thing. So let me begin. Let me get into this. We're going to be breaking down the glory of the Lord. So the Hebrew word, because that's really where it all begins, is uh, kavod, which means weight. It's it's heavy. It refers to something substantial. It, it, it also connotes honor, fame, uh, social status, greatness, power. You know, these are all things that if you think of the glory, if you think about the goodness and the greatness of the Lord, uh, that's really what, you know, this is tapping into in terms of the uh, grammatical interpretation of the Hebrew word. So I, ha- I have to begin because we see so many different examples in the Old Testament with references to glory and, and, and glory in relation to, to God. Isaiah 42.12 says, to give, glory, to give God glory is to acknowledge his honor and praise him. Uh, Isaiah 43.7 states, he created his people Israel for his glory. So right away, you see two different interpretations. Um, you acknowledge his honor and you praise him. That's giving him glory. And he's telling you that uh, he created the people of Israel for his glory. Uh, Psalm 3.3 describes God as a shield about me, my glory. Zechariah 2.5, God declares that he will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem, the glory in her midst. And I believe we see we see that today. We see there's a wall around Jerusalem because so many people are fighting for uh, the the ownership and the deed of that city, and in particular, you know, getting right down to where the temple is, um, or, or will be, I should say, and where it was. Uh, Ezekiel Ezekiel thirty nine twenty one declares that Yahweh's decisive feet of Gog will display His glory, and I'm going to break that down. So this is something uh, I'll, I'll get into this in a, in a few slides from now, but. This is a an event that will happen in the future, and it could happen possibly sooner than we think, uh, that will bring God glory, and it, it, he will do so. He will magnify himself, and it will be showing the wrath of God, but it will bring him glory. So, you know, there's just another twist in how this works. Uh, Isaiah 35, 2, Yahweh's bringing his exiled people home will reveal his glory to the world. We see that today. We see the Jewish people and the Hebrew people coming from all over the world. They've come back to restore the nation of Israel. It's been born again a second time, just as Scripture states. It was born in a day, just as Scripture states. All of these things that were prophesied thousands of years earlier, 
which no way could possibly happen in, in you know, in, in man's, um, uh, how, do I, how do I say, computation or, or ability to break down any type of plausible odds to this. It's impossible. It defies explanation. And I would say that that brings glory to God, where he spoke the end from the beginning. He spoke this thousands of years ago, and we are witnessing this today. So these are some different examples, and I have some others, if you're following me on video, that are here. Joshua 7.19, Isaiah 3.8, um, <clears throat> Isaiah 42.8, and, and so forth. But there's many here, and many in the Psalms. The Psalms, uh, very, you know, a lot of them allude to the glory of the Lord. So... I, I want to start to break some of this down. So the glory of God is the beauty of his spirit. Um, it is not an aesthetic beauty or a material beauty, but it is the beauty that emanates from his character. Everything that he is will, will exalt and will bring honor to him. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to fast forward to the New Testament. And James 1.10 says this, But the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. So James calls on a rich man to glory in his humiliation, indicating that a glory does not mean riches or power or, or material beauty. So I, I, I would say in that, you know, uh, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm living in America, but I'm sure this is true in so many nations that you know, when people arise in, in great economic status or social status or, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever the field is, you know, they have a tendency to puff themselves up. But really what the Lord is saying, your humility is really what 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 kind of pushes you to the forefront. Um, and, and, yeah, I can give think of no greater example than the humility that Jesus exhibited and, and the Father exhibited by bringing Jesus to the earth you know, in, in everybody knows the story in, in, in a manger and, and very few people knew it. You know, like he arrived on the scene. Here he is, the king of glory. But he arrived in, in a what I would classify, for lack of a better term, a, a high degree of humility. So let, let me kind of break this down a little bit more. The glory can crown man or it can or fill the earth. It is seen within man and it is seen within the earth. I'm going to give you some more examples of this shortly. The glory of man is the beauty of man's spirit, which is fallible, and it eventually passes away, and it is therefore humiliating, kind of getting back to what James is telling us, you know, where, where he says, just as the flower of the grass shall pass away, so it is that we will pass away, but what will we do in, in how we live our lives, how we honor the Lord will bring him glory? The glory of God, which is manifested in all of its attributes, never passes away. So even though you pass away, you will bring glory because if you know the Lord, you will eventually leave this earth and you will enter into heaven and eternity with him and you will be glorified in it because you'll be in the presence of God. So it's what I would classify, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. As, as a circular where there is no beginning and no end, it's almost like that, that wedding ring that he gives you as the bride of Christ, that you're entered into this eternal covenant, that even though you start by what you say is, you know, you, you, you're in, in the birth womb of, of, of your, your natural mother, 
But really, the Lord says, I saw you before you were in your mother's womb. So right there, you were getting glory, and he was getting glory in that. Then, you know, he, he sees the end from the beginning, and you go throughout your whole life, and you pass away, but then you enter into another glory. So I hope I hope that makes sense. Um, Psalm 73, 24 calls heaven glory. Um, you used to be hear Christians talk of death as you're received unto glory. And that's kind of what I, what, what I was just talking about. It's a phrase borrowed from this Psalm. When the Christian dies, he will be taken into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with God. We will be taken to a place where God's beauty literally resides. Remember, Jesus said, I go and prepare a home for you or a a place for you, a mansion. So, and that's where the beauty of his spirit will be there. Uh, In that place, his glory will need to come through man or nature. Neither will be seen clearly. Clearly, I'm sorry. First uh, Corinthians thirteen twelve states this: For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I as as I have been fully known. So we don't come into the fullness until we are in the presence. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's 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 beautiful. Isaiah 43, 7 states this, that he created us for his glory. So you were made in the image of God. Remember Genesis way back in the beginning. He made you in his image or, you know, it's really Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, It can be said that man glorifies God because through man, God's glory can be seen. And some of the examples could be love, music, heroism, uh, courage, all of these things, you know, are, are attributes that come because if you submit yourself to the Lord, you are, as what Second Corinthians says, uh, your heart is is in the potter's hand. Your heart is like clay, and he molds you just as a potter would. So we are the vessels, if you could look at it this way, that contain his glory. Um, nature exhibits his glory. How many times do you go and you, and you see a beautiful, you're in a mountain or a forest, a lake, an ocean. I mean, I, I love the, I live near the ocean. I love the ocean. Um, and, you know, so oftentimes, and, and I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to you, but I'll just say it for myself. You know, there's times where I just look at the beauty that's around me and, and it can make me well up. You know, it's just beautiful, whether it's, and it could be something simple in, you know, a small lake, a bird, uh, geese, um, the unity of geese flying in, 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 in the sky is just, it, it's it's incredible. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, and this is, you know, me speaking for myself. Um, I wanted to break this psalm down. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So let me read what exactly this says. The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day it utters speech. Night unto night shows knowledge. That's a pretty significant statement. He's saying that his creation speaks and it shows forth knowledge. And you would say, huh? How, you know, how does that happen? There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, it says. And it goes on, their line has gone throughout all the earth in their words to the end of the world in them that he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Uh, let me give you an example. The, the uh, NASA astronauts, and I'm sure other countries, 
they have recorded uh, they have recorded the sounds in the heavens, meaning the sounds out in the galaxy in the Milky Way, um, and and potentially you know beyond. But uh, what many uh, astronauts and scientists have revealed is when they combine these sounds together, it literally is musical. It's symphonic. That it's declaring the glory of the God in music out there. Uh, and it shows forth knowledge because the more we know, the more we see the um, uh, the integrity of the designer, of the design. You know, for instance, the moon, 23.5 degree tilt gives us exactly what we need in our relationship to the sun and, it, and with our rotation. And I mean, everything is just incredibly precise and I can go on and on about that. But but that's showing forth knowledge. So, you know, here throughout all of creation, we can see this. And, you know, some of this we couldn't see until the last 75 years or so or 50 years to the point now where, you know, today we have people going back and forth into space and just looking out the the, the window or the glass, whatever, you know, whatever the material is, uh, they, they, they see it. They see the glory. It's, it's just incredible. Um, Isaiah 43, 7. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Second Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So again, you exalt God in you, not you. You don't puff yourself up. You, you allow the Lord you show the greatness of God and the mercy and the kindness and the compassion. And I can go on and on and on. Um, you can run out of words, which, which describes God. Uh, but, you know, that, those are more examples. Uh, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So he won't share his glory. I'm going to move over to the right if you're following me on video. Since God is one from whom glory comes, he will not stand the assertion that glory comes from man or from the idols of man or from nature. Now, that's important, and I'll show you why in a minute, because I believe we see, you know, well, you know, we see this today. <clears throat> I'm sorry. People exalt Mother Earth. And, and uh, you know, I think that the things that, that they want to do or they profess that they, they want in terms of, you know, taking care of the earth, that's wonderful. Um, but you, you're, and, you, and I'll show you this in Romans, where you're honoring the creation rather than the creator. Uh, this jealousy for his own glory is what Paul talks about in Romans one twenty one through 25, uh, because it speaks of the way that people worship the creature rather than the creator. So let me read that. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. So everybody can, if you honestly, you put on your honesty hat and you look at this objectively, no matter whether you believe in God or not, or, you know, whatever you, you wherever you're at today, if you look around, you can see that, that we are created and made and designed in, a, in such a fashion that you can't just tuck it away and say, oh, this is evolution. And I'm not going to go down that road. You know, I've covered that before. Um, and, and again, my heart is always getting to the truth. So I've examined, I've gone through all of the sciences. And, 
you know, again, it just takes you away because it says there is no God, you're not made with a purpose. And I said I wouldn't go there, and yet I'm starting to. So let me stop. Let me jump down to, oh, let me read this, though. Let me continue. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So when you puff yourself up and you puff and you think that, you know, you know this and you know that and, you know, you know better than God or there is no God or whatever it is, he's basically saying you're a fool. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man, to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God has also given them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves because they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. I'm giving you small examples. If you look at those words, I can point to 10 different things that we see around the world today, how they, you know, it, where everything and anything is acceptable and there is no truth, there is no morality. But the things I'm giving you examples of, you know, is this whole thing where they so focused on climate. And to me, that's a big distraction. You know, I give you a, a picture of Mother Earth and, and uh, Greta, you know, how she became Time's Person of the Year. Personally, I have nothing against this girl. I, I you know, I think it's just, you know, a big marketing scam. Um, but they're puffing all of this up and they're, they're, they're basically distracting you from the truth. Uh, moving over to the left, in the earthly sense, glory is the beauty or the vibrancy that rests upon the material of the earth. I give you the examples in Psalms. The reason it fades is that material things do not last. We talked about this. I will not last. You will not last. But the glory that is in them belongs to God and returns to him when death or decay takes the material. And that's where I say God's glory is constantly rotating. Uh, think of think of a wedding ring where there is no beginning, there is no end. God has given you a wedding ring. He's given you his covenant, which is is eternal. Um, if you think about with the rich man that we looked at in James earlier, the verse says, the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. What does this really mean? The verse is admonishing the rich man to realize his wealth and power and beauty come from God, and they are to be humbled by the realization that it is God who makes him and God who, who puts him in these positions. God's glory is the source from which all small, smaller glories run. Oh, this is a wonderful psalm. I'm going to give you some Old and New Testament examples, but think of this. Psalm 24, 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, Selah, meaning pause, think, and meditate on it. So, you know, remember what Kabad means, you know, the greatness, you're exalting him. Uh, if you use the personification known as an apostrophe here, the psalmist speaks to the gates and the ancient doors, calling them to the attention as to be lifted up. So just think of, you know, somebody coming into a giant gate, castle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you So many movies you I, I, I can point to and think of where, 
you know, the, the riders come in on the horse and, you know, they ask to be entered in and they, and these giant gates lifted up. That's, that's kind of a, you know, a, a picture of what, what, what we're talking about. Um, there is also a connection here between the King of Glory and the Shekinah Glory. The Shekinah Glory, and I'll break this down in a few minutes too, is the substance glory or the, the glory that can be seen or felt. So when God gave uh, Moses instructions for building the ark, he said, I will appear in the cloud over the atonement, uh, the mercy seat. The mercy seat was to be seen as God's glorious throne on earth. I give you the scriptural examples here and that cloud. So that's what people would refer to as the Shekinah glory. And I'll break that down in a minute. Um, the psalm here pictures the coming of the king of, of glory. And, and it will be a time of celebration. And I believe we saw that. Uh, I, I believe there was a, um, what's the word I want? Almost, it's probably not proper, but I'll say it anyway. You know, like a teaser where, you know, you see you, you see a trailer to a movie coming. And, and what do I mean by that? So keep, this, ver- keep this, this, this psalm in mind. And now think of Jesus when he entered into Jerusalem. Matthew 21, 1 through 8. Uh, you know, I show it here and, and pretty much most people know know the account where um, Jesus arrives into Jerusalem, the psalms are laid, uh, the palms are laid down, um, and, and he arrives in the cult, just as what was prophes- prophesied in the book of uh, Psalms. So let me jump down to the yellow highlight, where it says, Tell you the daughter of Sion, behold, the king comes unto thee, meek, sitting upon an ass, and a cult, the foal of an ass. The disciples went, and as Jesus commanded them, bought the ass, the colt, and put them on clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the ways. Others cut down branches from trees, strode them in the way. The multitudes went before, and they followed, and they cried, singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that's where I say, if you... If you look at Psalm 24, 7, 10, I believe that was showing what, what will come. So notice, too, where it says, who is this king of glory? And here we see in Matthew, when he came into Jerusalem, the whole city was trembling with excitement. The people were asking, who is this? So many here who saw and, and they recognized him, but so many did not, or, or they intentionally turned a blind eye. You know the 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 uh, keepers of the law, the Sadducees, the uh, the other um, Jewish elders, the Hebrew elders, those who felt threatened by him, but the the humble and the meek and the honest, you know, they saw him and they welcomed him. They recognized him as the Messiah, as the prophesied one. So that's where I say, you know, the King of Glory came in his humility, entering on 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 the on the uh, on the cult. And just like when he arrived into the world, you know, the angels announced it to the shepherds and the, and, and the magi saw the, sun, the, uh, the sign and the stars, but not many saw and recognized it and many missed it here. But yet he is the king of glory and yet he was still given his due with these people here. But in his humility, he accepted this um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it there. So I'm going to switch gears here. If you're following me on video, I'm showing you what I think. You know, I'm giving you two different examples of a child and an older man. Uh, both, to me, appear to be very, very happy and, and, and uh, 
you know, filled with joy. And why? And I and you know, I chose this because I'm I'm looking at Colossians where we're talking about Christ living in us, to whom God would make known the riches of His glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. So Christ in you is the mystery. Jesus is a mystery. People still to this day, they don't get it, you know, if, if, if you don't know him. But the mystery and the profoundness of who Christ is coming down to earth, sacrificing himself for our sins, and then in turn living in us with Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul calls them the Lord's people. If you look at 126, it says this, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. So now, you know, it's this is available to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the non-Jewish people. They, the mystery in the New Testament is simply something that was hidden in times past, but it has now been revealed by God. The former mystery now understood is that Christ in us is the hope of, of glory now and for the future. In the Old Testament, Holy Spirit came upon certain people to empower them, but he would leave them. New Testament, Holy Spirit dwells with you uh, for, for your life, potentially, you know, unless you reject him. Uh, so, you know, this is the mystery. This is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the secret, I'm giving you the secret now. The secret is simply this. Christ in you is bringing the hope in him, with him, the hope of all glorious things to come. I'm going to give you a number of, of scriptures here, but let me just say this. The hope is not just a wishful thought. It is confident. It is expecting, expectant. We have a joyful knowledge that we are being changed by God, and we will one day see Christ face to face, having been conformed to his image. So imagine that you will see Jesus face to face. I don't know if this will happen, but I, I give this analogy. If, if you're a parent or a grandparent or just one who, who loves little children and, you know, an, an infant and just picture you want to take that infant and hug them and, you know, that cheek to cheek sensation. That's what I am hoping for when I see Jesus. I just want to be able to hug him cheek to cheek, say, thank you. I love you. But this is what will come, that we will see him face to face. You will acknowledge him whether you believe in him or not. You will know that he is the Christ. And, you know, it's, Scripture says every tongue will confess uh, that Jesus is the Christ. But you hopefully will do this on this side of eternity. Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You have a seal on you. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that which he began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. John 3, 2, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is because he is like us. We are made in his image. Romans eight nineteen through 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There's liberty in, in, I'm sorry, there's glory in that liberty as being a child of God. First Peter 5.10, but the grace of all, but the God of all grace, who called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, 
And then finally, John 17, 16 says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, meaning that you are not in this world, but you are, are, are of this world. Yeah, I got that reverse. Sorry about that. But, you know, we are here on a temporary assignment. I'll put it that way. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ as representatives of Jesus here on earth. We're glorified in that resurrection. You know, I kind of talked a little bit about that. Um, Romans 8.11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So you will be glorified in your resurrection. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. 1 Peter 1, 3-4, uh, In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So you will be resurrected. You have an inheritance that God as your father, and remember, we are adopted into the family of God. He has given us an inheritance. I'm sorry. Ephesians 1.14, the spirit of Christ within us is depositing uh, is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. We have a guarantee. So this inheritance brings glory to God. We are glorified in it through Christ in us and where we will live for all of eternity. Uh, Christ's presence in us is the hope of glory. Jesus in you, that you are listening or watching this, this broadcast, the Jesus in you is the hope of glory. This is the truth of all glorious riches. Our once dead, darkened spirits are made alive. Christ is in our hearts. We know there is life beyond this earthly existence. You know, the, the world is getting a little crazy now. No surprise there. But those who know who they are or who Christ is in us, we have a peace. where There's a supernatural peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding, no matter what's going on around us. This is part of our inheritance. This is part of the glory that is inside of us. What does it mean to glorify God? And so this is one of the reasons that I, I, I felt this needed to be done is because the question comes is, if God has all the glory, then how do we give him glory? How can we give God something which he already has in the first place? And I believe you'll find the answer, there's, it's twofold. It's found in 1 Chronicles sixteen twenty-eight through 29. It says this, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So, you know, there's twofold. First, we ascribe or give glory to him because it is his due. No one deserves the praise and the worship that we give glory to him. Isaiah 42.8, a reminder, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or praise to idols. Second, we bring an offering. Well, what is our offering? The offering comes before him in the splendor or the beautiness of his holiness. This, this involves what we do. We, here's our offering. We come into agreement with him and his word. We're obedient. We're submissive to his word. We rehearse his attributes or extolling him. Um, if, if, you're, if you're working on scriptural memories, that, ex, that exalts him. That, you know, you're, 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 you're rehearsing that. You're giving God glory by doing that. Uh, it begins with agreeing with everything that he says, especially about himself. 
Uh, Isaiah 42, 5, I am the Lord God. I created the heavens like an open tent above. I made the earth. Everything grows on it. I am the source of life and all who live on the earth. To So listen to what I say. You know, there, there you have it. Everything that's all around us, that is the glory of the Lord. You know, and, and, and that's, that, that's what we're to tap into. So, the, you know, the Bible, his word, um, let me go to Psalm 103, 17, 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Jesus reiterated the idea that glorifying and loving God are the one and the same. John 14, 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So it's, it's pretty clear. Stephen, I think, is a wonderful example of giving glory, even in the most horrendous circumstances. Uh, you can find this if you're not familiar with the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7, uh, 54, 59. Uh, but they came, you know, against him because he was honoring Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. And, and even in the end, as they're stoning him to death, uh, he says this, he says, he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So you know, almost like Jesus did at the cross when he died and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, so when we tell of God's work in our lives, how he saved us from sins, the marvelous works in our hearts and our minds, we are giving him glory. Even though others, they may not want to hear it, but the Father hears what you are saying, what you are speaking to others, when you're praying in secret, when you're, when you're believing for a miracle or for a non-believer, you know, whatever you're doing that would bring honor and glory, you're bringing glory to him is what I'm getting at. Just going to talk briefly about the Shekinah glory, if you've heard that expression before. It is the Hebrew name given to the presence of God dwelling on the earth. So it never appears in the Bible. Let me just say it that way. But I've always, well, not always, but I've heard this a lot over the years. I was like, what is the Shekinah glory? It sounds kind of cool. Um, but it, 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 it's an attribute to the what's called the divine visitation of Yahweh. Uh, it's, a, a clear example is the, the, the pillar of cloud that, that, the, that surrounded the Hebrews and followed the Hebrews and led the way for the Hebrews uh, out of Egypt and into the promised land. When, when Moses spoke to God in the cloud, it was the same as speaking face to face. When Moses asked to see God's glory directly, what happened? God said, you cannot see me, my face, for man shall not see me and live. So the, the power and the majesty of God as a human, we can't, we can't see it. So he had to look away. And the, the, the direct visible presence of God is just too much. Remember, he passes him and then he can see. And then we know that, you know, when Moses came down from the mountain, the, the, uh, the tangible evidence was in his hair and in his face and his countenance that he had been in the presence of God. So it, that's almost like a Shekinah glory where the witness uh, are the physical attributes of what Moses had, and, had encountered. Um, Jesus was the ultimate form of God appearing to man. Colossians 2.9 says, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So Jesus was the Shekinah glory on earth. You know, Jesus, the, the word be, became flesh. Jesus is incarnate. The book of Hebrews describes Jesus as the high priest who offers an eternal sacrifice in the holy place 
so there would be no more separation between man and God. Old Testament, you you had the priest going into the Holy of Holies. Jesus is the Holy of Holies. Jesus in us is the Holy of Holies. So that's that's the mystery, if you will, uh, you know, that's been afforded to us. So when the and and think about it, when Jesus died, and there's historical accounts of this too outside of the Bible, that the cloth tore, and this cloth, I forget how tall it was. I, I looked this up, but. I'm going to say it was well over 50 feet, something like that. It could be, you know, at least six inches or more thick. I mean, it was incredible. It was something that you had to have several men hold up, you know, maybe as many as 10 or 20. I, I looked this up and I have this on one of my uh, teachings. I just forget what the numbers were. But, you know, the point is it was so big, several people needed to handle it. It wasn't just a cloth that you could just rip, but yet... When Jesus died and he gave up the ghost, that, that cloth was ripped. That is the symbol that the work of grace has, has been established and that we now have entrance into the Holy of Holies. I would also say this, when Holy Spirit came and the, and the tongues of fire descended upon the, those in the upper room, that would have been, to me, a sign of the Shekinah glory. And then I also give you the example of, of the Lord uh, in the burning bush with Moses. So, uh, you know, on that note, you know, what is a glory cloud? And this is another thing that it's not in the Bible. And you can believe this or not. And I'm, and I'm not telling you to, but I wanted to, because I'm covering the glory, I wanted to cover what is a glory cloud. Uh, there's a, I'm going to play a, a three minute video in a second uh, of Bill Johnson out in California describing the glory cloud. But he said something that I thought was very interesting. And he says that the church today gathers around a sermon. Israel gathered around the presence of God. So during the previous century, 19th, 20th century, uh, churches began to report the appearance of what they called a glory cloud, which is a physical manifestation of the presence of God. It was a form of a glittery cloud. Uh, it happened a lot during worship services. Uh, there were reports from, I believe, Mexico, Brazil, churches in California, etc., um, and, and there are some that, that don't believe it. And I'm not telling you, you know, to believe this or not, but I'm, I'm, what I am telling you is if you hear the expression glory cloud today, this is what they are alluding to. Uh, they describe it as this swarm of gold-like particles that, swat, that settles on skin and hair. Um, you're going to see an example of this in a video in a second. Uh, and then uh, they attribute this to the tangible presence of the anointing of God for preaching. They use it as a, the biblical foundation they use, I should say, is Second Chronicles 5.14, 1 Kings 8.11, Ezekiel 10.4, Exodus 40.35. I just wanted to touch on one thing. There's, uh, a, I can't remember his name offhand, WP Films, you can look it up. Uh, he is a, uh, a, a, um, a, a videographer, I'll, I'll call it, um, but he just documents, a documentarian, um, different things around the world, um, showing and videotaping and audio interviews of people. And, and really what he's looking for is the manifestation of God in and around the world. And he's got a number of films and, and I've seen a couple of them. You can, you know, I, there's nothing in there that you, to me anyway, you could not believe, but he's documented some of this, of the glory clouds and and some of the manifestations of things that, you know, will make your head scratch. 
And, you know, it's, I guess what I would also like to add is that you can never put God in a box. And I think people who would say, oh, you know, this can't be, or this is nonsense, or this is that, that's your opinion, and that's fine. Um, but I think you're also limiting God that, you know, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. So let me, let me set this up. It's a very quick three minute clip. Bill Johnson in his church out in California, uh, talking about the glory cloud and how he sees it. You know, it's just signs that make you wonder. And (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's really a big deal that we have things we can't explain or understand or control. I've wondered if it's okay to for us to run to a corner of a room and stand and watch and take pictures. I, I think he rather enjoys it. I think he, <laughs> uh, as, lo- as long as we don't prostitute it for our glory, as long as we give him glory and celebrate, I, it feels like children, you know, just discovering him. You know, we don't seek for signs, but we don't ignore them either. It's kind of dumb if he shows up in a cloud, you go... I don't want to be distracted. I invite all of his distractions. has been gathering together for decades around a sermon. Israel camped around the presence. And and we've known that there are some dramatic shifts that are going to take place in how we do life, how we do church. The presence of God is the greatest gift we have. And to shut everything else down because of that is absolutely worth it to me. It's, it's, it's the joy of our heart to celebrate Him, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that, for whatever reason, decides to show up. You say, well, why doesn't He show up in a way that He can be visibly recognized? He told Israel, He said, I was in the cloud and I did not let you see any form because I knew you to be an idolatrous people and you would create an idol after the image you saw. And so the lack of clarity sometimes is, he's not punishing us, he's just letting us, he's he's wanting to give us as much as can bless us and promote us without destroying us. And so what's happening tonight is the church is camping around the presence. We may not have an idea, a clue what we're doing. And we certainly don't know what to do next. But finally, the main thing has become the main thing. So there you have it. So how do we glorify God in our lives? Here you gave, you know, I just showed you an example from Bill Johnson about the glory descending, uh, potentially descending into church services and, you know, maybe into, uh, you know, other people's gatherings. But now the flip side, how do we bring glory into uh, our God? Bleh, how do we glorify God in our lives? And I start with what I said earlier, 
you know, from our mother's womb. God saw you before you were on your mother's womb. How do you do that throughout the different stages of your life? And depending upon who you are, where you are, and you may not come to the Lord, know the Lord until, you know, midlife, end of your life. Even if it's five minutes before you die, better to do that than, than the alternative. But in that, how can we bring glory to, to our lives, glory to God in our lives? And I'll show you some examples. Uh, we must require a full commitment. And I would love to be able to say that. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it, but I fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short, right? That's what Scripture says. But let me give you some examples. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Colossians 3.23. Uh, Paul's direction for Christian slaves is really what he's talking about. So as horrible as your situation is, he's saying do it for God's glory. Even in this role, their work was to be done as if they were serving Jesus. Since you know that, and he goes on with, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So even in your work, even in your social activities, even in the manner of which you convey yourself or uh, your, 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 how, how you are interacting with people, that's seen. That's, you know, we'll have an account for all of it. Uh, God sees everything, knows everything. Um, but, you know, but the point is, do it unto the Lord. So even if you're, we, whatever your work is, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a banker, an attorney, a, a, a custodian, a bus driver, whatever it is, do it unto the Lord. Do it, be, be diligent, be a good worker, be, be somebody that whoever your employer is or whether, so whoever your employer is, bring, you know, him honor and glory. Me, I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase that. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of my, my words. When you do that, that your employer would, would know the value of what you bring to the table, to the company, to the efforts. At the same time, if you're an entrepreneur, do it unto the Lord and treat your workers, treat the people who, who you're working with, you know, as you would want to be treated. Um, Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the way that we would, this is King David, the way that we would uh, face difficult circumstances or where we have to choose sometimes, the more you meditate and, and have the word of God in your heart, the more you will be able to deal with whatever those situations are, whether it's temptation or not. There is no temptation that God is, that, that has been given to man, that God has not provided a means of escape. And if you have the word of God in you, you'll be able to pull that up at the right time. Uh, remember, Jesus was all, he always glorified his father in heaven, always. There was never a moment that he did not glorify God. Our Lord's every thought, word, action, it was totally committed to, to, to the Lord Yahweh, his father. When Jesus faced the temptations of Satan, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He was a man of the word. He, he constantly quoted scripture. Remember, Old Testament, there was no New Testament scripture. That's what he was quoting. He stood upon the word of God in those times of temptation. Uh, another way that we can glorify God is the proper treatment of our bodies. First Corinthians says this, do you know that the, your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with our bodies. That's 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Uh, to glorify God in everything, we must exercise faith. 
Remember, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So remember that, Hebrews eleven six, love without hypocrisy. Sometimes it's hard to love people. Sometimes people have done, you know, done you wrong. I don't know if that's the proper way of English uh, or good English. I'll say <laughs> it's not. Um, but we are to love. And, and, and that, that's hard. That's at times hard. And I've, I've been there. I, I've been in situations where I just think of certain times and people in my life, things that were done. And I have to look at myself, things that I've done, how I've wronged people. Uh, deny yourselves, Luke 23, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, Romans 12.1. So every area of our life is important to evaluate, live it to its fullness for the glory and for the honor of God. We should always strive for every thought and deed to bring joy and honor to the, to our Father in heaven. And in that, trust me, you will be thrilled and delighted. You will, you'll, you'll just, you'll revel in it. So let me close with this, and it's it's kind of a taking a different twist, and I just really feel I feel like the Lord wanted me to do this, so I'm just going to put it that way. For I am not ashamed of the God. I'm reading Romans 1, 17 through 32. I would really advise, no matter where you are in your walk, if you don't believe the Lord or not, if you read this scripture, you can look around the world today and see the, the situation that the world is in and potentially how close we are to, to the return of Jesus. So it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power that, that God brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in gospel is the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So we are not righteous by anything that we've done on our own, but we are righteous by the blood of Jesus. And then what happens here? Verse 18, God's wrath against a sinful humanity. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all of the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress truth by their wickedness. Since what we have been known about God is plain to them. We, we went through this before because God has made it plain to them. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, they've been clearly seen, understood from what has been made, so people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Just think of uh, you know, how they were worshiping the golden calf while, while Moses was on, was on the mountain when he came down. People will always look to other things other than God, especially in times, of, well, of desperation or even of, of, you know, what they think is their own haughtiness. Uh, Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one, with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served and created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women. They were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, 
So God gave them over to a depraved mind, that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but they also approve of those who practice them. If you look around the world today, most if not all of this, you can clearly see if you're honest. The reason I'm reading this also is for those who do know the Lord, the time is, is, a, is drawing near and that we must be able to share the gospel, whatever your circle of influence, whatever your sphere of influence is, because we all know people like this. I do anyway. And, you know, my heart breaks and, you know, and even so-called Christians, you know, they, because they, they want to say, well, God really wouldn't do this. Or these books are thousands of years old, written by men. And they, you know, they, they kind of want to walk away from what the truth of God's word is rather than embrace it. They deny it. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to be sour, but I'm trying to be real in the sense that, you know, we're talking about the glory, the wonder, the joy, the, 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 the joy, the, the beauty and the majesty of Christ in us, but we must also remember the opposite and, and you know, what, what's going on. And before I forget, and it's not here, and I think I, I missed it, I, I wanted to bring this up before about um, God bringing glory in destruction. And by that, I mean Ezekiel 38. Eventually, the nations will come against Israel in this war before the tribulation or right at the beginning, depending upon your interpretation. Long story short, if you don't know it, it, it involves many nations led by what is modern-day Russia, Turkey, Iran, other some other North African countries, and I'm not going to get into all of that. But what happens is they are clearly they they outman, they overwhelm in 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 uh, numbers and in military equipment and everything you could possibly think of. This tiny little there, all these great big giant, wonderful nations coming against Israel, but God destroys them in the mountains of Israel. And, and, and God does it, and he says, and it, to bring him glory. So he will glorify, man, he will be glorified in the wrath of God. And what, what, what do I mean by that? And I'm thinking, this is just me putting on my uh, imaginary hat as if this happened tomorrow, that if you saw all these nations coming against him and, you know, potential earthquakes and fire and hail, whatever could thwart away these, these nations, these enemies, nobody will do it but God, not even the Israeli army. They won't be involved. Nobody will be able to get credit, but God will be glorified in it. And I can see where you have many of these nations, they're Muslim, that are coming against Jesus and they're coming against Israel. And I believe you could have potentially... A, a, a tremendous outpouring of salvations around the world, uh, particularly in that heart of the world, but, you know, by a lot of the Middle Eastern nations. So that's, you know, that's something where God is glorified, but he's glorified in the wrath of God. So just, a, you know, another example how there are so many different instances of what I've been talking about where God is glorified and how we can glorify him. 
So, you know, the last thing I leave you with is how can you glorify God in your life? How can you do it? It's, it, you know, that's between you and the Lord, you and your situation. But I would encourage you to ask yourself that and maybe in prayer, talk to the Lord about it. That's, that's really all. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I want to thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. I certainly did. Um, you know, it's just, it's wonderful to talk about the Lord and to, to meditate on his word and the many, many examples of giving glory to God. So I, I pray that you would be giving glory to God in your life and in your, uh, uh, your activities and, and whatever it is that you're doing here on the earth. I would love to hear questions, comments, email rusticoutlook at gmail.com. As always, the most important thing is if you do not know Jesus, please, the time is now ask him into your heart. You know it and I know it. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. He's offered the the the, the way, not only of, of a wonderful life here, but in eternity. And it's as simple as asking him into your heart and confessing your sins. Um, if, if you have any further questions, you know, again, email russicoutlook at gmail.com, prayer requests, whatever it is. I just want to thank you again for your time. This is This has been... I've gotten a lot out of it. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So thank you. I hope to see you on the next one. Um, you've been listening to The Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.